Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bears Nation, baby. Just want to kick it off by thanking our players. When you have adversity like this and, and there's a lot of losing towards the end of the season, I was blown away by our guys' ability to stick together. They practice with energy, and I think that's rare, but it speaks volumes on their character, how much they love the game, and the buy-in that they have for the direction that we're going. As improbable as it may have been at the beginning of the day, the Chicago Bears have just clinched the number one pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Wow, winning. All right, all right, all right. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet Stamp. Trying to focus on, you know, getting better as a player, getting better as a quarterback, and getting better as a team. Damn straight. And you know this, man. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. See you in the Super Bowl. It's Bears Nation, baby. Touchdown, Bears! Woo! Yes! Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. All right, welcome back to this Bears Nation podcast brought to you by ONTAP Sports. Net, go to ONTAP Sports. Go look at everything we got going, all the podcasts, all the videos, all the articles, everything you need for Chicago sports, including us, myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka. We were here last week, talked about the fallout from the trade back from number one to number nine, talked about some free agency signings, and we're going to do more of the same today. We're going to talk about some more potential draft picks at number nine. We're going to talk about some other signings that happened as since our last episode, including one that I should have said, and I was going to say it, and then I didn't you because I'm a it. huge idiot because I'm just the biggest, dumbest boy in school. But anyway, I digress. This is Bears Nation Podcast, myself and Kevin. How we doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Um, you know, a, a slow week, it feels like. Like a yeah. lot of like Orlando Brown Jr. gets signed by the Bengals and everyone's kind of sitting there like, all right, Ryan, like we're signing these fringe guys. Like, what's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And people are honestly, no. people are getting upset. Like there are people who are legitimately right. like pissed at Ryan Poles right now. a lot now. of cap room left. Yeah. And, and we can talk. We're going to break this down and talk about the fact that they have the most rema- still the most remaining cap room of any team in the NFL. And they have the flexibility to yep. do things. And there's people who are saying, well, the Bears have been a little complacent, but we're going to break down the recent signings and why maybe they're a little bit better than you may think. Um, kind of go in depth on that, shine a little optimism on the people who are upset uh, at Ryan Poles. I mean, again, like they have seven, eight draft picks, four of them in the first two rounds. Like patience is necessary in this situation, but uh, we'll break it down. He, he's been doing things. He just happens to always right. do them at like seven o'clock when people <laughs> are like already home. We don't even get to talk about it on the radio. Nope. Like it's the weirdest times, but maybe he's doing this for me. He's going under the radar. Um, well, he's not going under the radar as far as 
the things that he says about what he knew about the possible compensation he can get, he's still going to Peter King and to Albert Breer and telling them everything. And it's like, all right, but it's kind of interesting. And I think it's just because we've been conditioned to not expect that because the past regime, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, they would say nothing ever. Like you, it was like pulling teeth to try and get any kind of information out of either of those guys. And now here's Ryan Poles. And this really started even when he was first hired. He was very open about his plans and what he wanted to do. And now he's just straight up. I mean, we talked about it on our last episode. When I'm part of my take, the biggest sports podcast in the world. Uh, and, you know, is doing all these really a media tour. Like you said, Breer and King and being very open and honest and, and uh, just very it's different it's very different than what we're used to and i think that's why it throws some people off but not necessarily a bad thing because you still got dj Moore. you still traded back from number one in a mm-hmm. hall you still have some good free agency signings that we really liked uh, and even some of the ones that happened since we last uh were on this podcast that we like so i still have faith in polls you're right people are getting uh i'm not gonna say rightly i'm not gonna say wrongly but people are getting a little antsy because, you know, the first wave of free agency happened. All the big, you know, stars, I guess, if you will, are off the board. And now it's kind of we get to that second, third wave of these guys who could probably still be starters, especially on the Bears where you still have, you know, a good number of holes on the roster to fill. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it may not be as sexy or it may not be as, you know, get you as fired up. But the second wave of free agency, arguably just as important. And especially, like I said, when you have as many holes and needs to fill as the Bears still do. I think it's just as important as far as what you're trying to accomplish this year. Because in the first wave of free agency, what most teams do and what the Bears did was you've established your core. These are the guys that are going to be here for the entire Super Bowl window. Tremaine Edmonds, four-year deal, right? You know, TJ Edwards, three-year deal. You're yep. getting these guys the foundations of your defense. DJ Moore, the foundation of your offense. You're getting these guys set for the entire Super Bowl window. Second wave of free agency is where, okay, you know what? We have a lot of holes on this roster to fill. We want to be a competitive team this year. We're not going to break the bank. This is where we're going to spend maybe 5 to $6 million on one-year contracts for older guys who can still make our team better this year. And, hey, if, they, if they're if they 29 or 30 and this is a prove-it deal, maybe we sign into a two-year deal after that uh, you know, and, and see if they can be here for the remainder of that Super Bowl window. But that's really what the the second wave of free agency is you got a lot of guys who are outstanding who are a little bit older you know 28 29 you know 30s who maybe had sort of a down year last year but if you have faith in your coaching staff they can kind of resurrect their career with you or still be an impact player as a rotational player and there are a number of guys on the market who are worth exploring Frank 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 Clark if I could pronounce his effing name correctly Frank Clark Frank Clark is a guy that we had talked about from the very start 29 years old one of the most clutch players in the NFL leads the NFL history in playoff sacks that guy is still on the market and the other thing about the second wave free agency is as each day goes by the value goes lower I mean look sure. what happened to Orlando Brown Jr. he didn't get signed for a whole week there was questions about whether he's a left tackle or right tackle and he ended up you know, earning only four years, $75 million, right. which for a left tackle is affordable, like yeah. extremely affordable. And it's less than 20 million a year. Yeah. And I, I mean, I it's believe, around what McGlinchey got. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. And we all thought that Brown was like so much better than McGlinchey and they got basically the same money and McGlinchey got more years. He got next, he got five years, right? I th- he might've, I think he got five. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that's right. And Orlando Brown Jr. Turned on a contract extension offer last year from, the Chiefs from the Chiefs that was 23 mil a year. So I, I saw yeah. an Instagram post. I was like, this is one of the biggest bag fumbles of all time by Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. Um, but yes, there are guys 
available to make the Chicago Bears better this year. You're not finding solutions for the next four years at left tackle anymore in free agency. You're not finding sure. solutions for the next four years at defensive end in free That That phase is over for the most part. It's the same with wide receiver. Like, you have your core guys. You are going to build this roster around the younger players that you already have and have already signed. But if you want the Bears to be a competitive team in a division that's relatively winnable this year, there's ways to make that happen now in this in this next wave of free agency. So we yep. can, yeah. Well, and, and really that starts with a couple of the guys that have signed since we last we're on the show, uh, and since we mm-hmm. last recorded, uh, I'll start with the one that I whiffed on. We were talking about running backs last week, and we were talking about, you know, now that Dave Montgomery's gone, was signed by the Lions, and, you know, you have some reservations about Cleo Herbert. I'm a little bit higher on him, but we both agree that he's not, like, he's not a star. He's not somebody, and the Bears bring in another running back, and we were talking about competition, and I was this close to saying Don to Foreman. I was this close, and then I didn't. And I don't know why I hesitated, and then we just kind of moved on to the next topic. But as soon as he signed, I texted you. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was about to say this on the podcast, and I'm a huge idiot. But I really like Don to Foreman, and this is what I would have said last week, too. After the McCaffrey trade, Foreman exploded. Like, he played really well, ran really well, averaged over four yards a carry, had a handful of touchdowns, and... You know, it's he's someone who's taken a long time to kind of find his footing in the NFL. He's always been kind of a backup journeyman a little bit. Was with the Texans, now with the Panthers, now with the Bears, um, and has always been a backup. And when guys got hurt, he played really well, but never really got that starter opportunity. He's going to get that here. He's right now listed as RB2, but I think he's going to get the opportunity to be RB1 here. I think he's a little bit better than Khalil Herbert is right now from what we saw. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe Khalil Herbert takes that next step and is RB1. I don't know. But from what we saw last year, I I would put Foreman a little bit ahead. And I really just, I think he's a really good, solid player on a one-year contract. I think he fits a need. Him and Herbert, I think, could be a really, really good one-two punch. And gives you a, a running game again that is really above solidly above average, really good. And I don't think you're going to miss a beat. I think Foreman and Montgomery are super similar players. I think Foreman might be even a little bit faster ish in space, Mm -hmm. but overall, I think this keeps you like it's a lateral move. I think this keeps you at least, at least as good, if not a little bit better than your running game was last year. I would agree. I mean, I think you can make a legitimate argument that he might be better at this moment than Dave Montgomery. And as far as the value that you get from him, right, it's a one-year deal, and, you know, you didn't sign Dave Montgomery to the three-year $18 million deal. It's better value for Deonta Foreman. He had five 100-yard rushing games last year. Dave Montgomery had one. And the stats, like, after CMC was gone, when he became the primary back after week Crazy. seven, 877 yards in, what what's that, 11 weeks, uh, or 10 weeks, sorry, 4.6 yards per attempt, five touchdowns. Like, in 10 weeks, that puts you on pace for, like, a 1,500-yard season <sighs> with, like, 10 touch like yeah. eight to eight to nine to 10 touchdowns like this th- th- those would be like all pro numbers and that's on the Panthers that's on the Panthers, that's on the, Panthers. the Panthers a team yeah. that had no passing attack a team that will that not even that a team that was behind in games mm-hmm. a lot so they weren't running the ball a lot another great point like at, when they initially signed him I was like you know okay like like that's fine. Like obviously, everyone knows I was. So, I, w- I wanted them to find a greater solution at running back from the sure. start of free agency. I wanted it to be Tony Pollard. I was interested in Saquon Barkley before he got tagged. If, if it was financially, you know, feasible. Viable, yep. Um, and now like 
I don't think we even have to like we can go back and forth about who's the lead back, Foreman or sure. Herbert. This is going to be a running back by committee group. They they also signed Travis Homer, who I think is going to be more of a special teams guy, but will get a little bit of run uh, at some point on certain downs, maybe on third downs, and and as a receiving back option. But also, like I still think the Bears are going to draft a running back. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Yeah, it's it's a one year deal, and Herbert's deal is up after next after the twenty twenty four season. So yeah, and the thing is in the NFL, like a lot of. Uh, uh, the saying for a lot of positions, especially quarterback, if you have two, you have none. That's not true with running back. You mm-hmm. can have as many guys as you mm-hmm. want there, and you get the same result as if you had a Saquon Barkley or a Tony Pollard or a Josh Jacobs exactly. or insert your favorite running back here. You can do committee easily, and a thousand times out of a thousand, uh, I guess in this case, 32 times out of 32. But running back is super easy, but I really like the foreman. It keeps you exactly where you were, if not a little bit better, as far as the running attack goes. I really like it. And if you are a, this is for all the fantasy football players out there. I would not draft a single Bears running back. I just, I, I again, like I think well, this is going to I mean, be a Cleo pretty. Herbert has I just, dealt with injuries a little bit. If you're in like a deep league, it's a good flex option. I yes. just think like yes, this is sure, going sure. to be the definition of a running back by committee. And if they do sign a running back in, or it's not signed, sorry, draft a running back in the fifth or sixth round, and that guy starts to play really well in in, in training camp. There's a real chance that that guy becomes RB2 and either Foreman or Herbert slot down to RB3. And then sure. you're in a real RB by committee and there's no lead back. And it's, you know, and, and look, based on what the Bears want to do on offense, I, I, I don't think it's it's a problem. Like, I think there's going to be people who are like, well, you need a true RB1, who a guy you can rely on. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're, it doesn't matter how you get the first down if you get the first down. And you have a guy in Justin Fields who's just as explosive as the, as all of them. That's you what know? I was going to say. And, and there's some people who say, well, you know, the Bears have a third running back in Justin Fields because he's not really a quarterback, sure. and that's a narrative sure. that we've heard a lot. But I, I just <laughs> – it's going to be, to me, like a true running back by committee because I have seen a lot of people who are like, oh, like – clear-cut former number one, clear-cut Herbert number one, and it's going to, oh, it's a battle. No, like, it, it'll probably be, like, you know, 40-40-20 with, yeah. with Herbert Foreman and the rookie. So Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, the other signing that's worth mentioning uh, that we also talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit last week, tight ends, and Robert Tunyon gets signed to, again, a one-year deal. Um, and once again, nobody likes bringing players back to their home state like the Chicago Bears do. Tunyon, uh, Tunyon whatever you want to say, Illinois uh, resident, Illinois native, and I actually really like this. This kind of fits exactly what we were talking about, just that second guy who can come in behind Cole Komet after his breakout year, a guy who is probably more known for his receiving, can catch the ball a little bit, isn't just going to be a pure blocking tight end like like guys like Ryan Griffin were or uh, tight ends passed uh, for the Bears. Tunyon, as a second tight end, can catch and he's you know shown to be with Aaron Rodgers a guy that can be relied upon a little bit and that was as tight end one now it's tight end two I think that opens up a lot and it's definitely going to open up the offense a lot I think it does a lot for Justin Fields as well I think that Tunyon's a perfect fit for this Bears team yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense, right? The relationship with Luke Getze exists. And this was actually a name that we had brought up, I think, very early in the process. Yep. And I kind of, like, same thing with you. Like, I'm kind of kicking myself when we did the sort of, uh, you know, what else, what can the Bears improve on last week? And I was like, well, maybe, you know, they have the money to go after Gesicki or Dalton Schultz. And that was always a stupid proposition. Like, it was always going to be someone like Robert Tunyon. And it just made too much sense. Again, that relationship with Getze and his proven ability to be a legitimate receiving tight end when there's a lot of people who still think that Cole Komet's best asset is to be a blocker, is to be, you know, not a true down the field receiving tight end. He, he proved the ability that he can do that. But again, you can never have too many weapons like this. Sure. It, like I'm going through the names and I'm like, 
add, add, add more. Yep. Add, you, you add more. You never know what can happen. Guys are going to go down with injury. You can never have too much depth. And Robert Tunyon's a great option. You know, it, it was really weird because two touchdowns in 2022 for Tunyon, two touchdowns uh, for Tunyon in 2021, 11 in 2020. Yeah. He was a huge fantasy option. I don't know what happened that season, but Luke Getzey, I believe Luke Getzey was in Green Bay in 2020 as well. Should have been. Um, so, you know, they, they, it, it's not like. <laughs> Robert Tunyon isn't Jimmy Graham. Like right. it's not one on one in the end zone. You like they were just he's an athletic tight end. They were designing good plays for him. He was getting open in the red zone, and that, and that's what you need. Look, the Bears were not an awful team in the red zone last year. They really weren't. Like they they were pretty solid in the red zone, a large part because of Justin Fields just creating plays and getting in the end zone right. on his own. But remember that was the issue for like three years with Nagy was week after week we'd be talking about red zone efficiency and how bad they were in the red zone and and being last in the league and you know in those situations and and, and scoring touchdowns in those situations and now they're loading up with guys who have proven ability to score uh like take you know yes they were better last year but take that commander's game for example right Right. you could use a guy like Robert Tunney in that situation when you literally have four downs from the four yard line to get in the end zone and you can't do it to win the game against you know at that time was one of the worst teams in the NFL and the commanders so I'm, I'm big on this signing again fits the bill as far as athleticism and explosiveness goes for the the players that are trying to bring in on this offense and just a, a, a really like you can make the case that this is one of the not the better like better tight end groups in the NFL. I mean, sure. Robert Tunyon was was the number 1 for the Green Bay Packers for, you know, 3 years now and now yep. he's a number 2. Like in the league where there's not a lot of premier tight ends, then yeah, like this is one of the better tight end groups I think right now if Cole Komet continues to show what he did last year. Yeah, I mean, Tunyon probably was could have been and walked into a tight end room and a couple of different teams and been tight end one and been a primary receiving option. Now he's your second. I'm excited to see what Luke Getze can do with a true two tight end system. Because like I said, that's, the tight that's ends of the last, too. especially last year and the last couple of years, have been okay. They've been, you know, really bottom of the barrel names. You don't really know mm-hmm. more for pass blocking and special teams more than anything. They weren't really involved. I mean, we, I mean, just look at Cole Komet's usage last year. He was on the field almost every single snap, especially at the end. Like they didn't use other tight ends. I'm excited to see how Luke gets. He kind of folds a, like you said, a guy like Tunyon, who has a history of being a receiving threat, how gets he utilizes him. And I think that's can really open up the offense and really, again, like you said, another weapon for Justin Fields adds to the room. And that just adds to the total. Now, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool. And now you had Robert Tunyon into that. That's five legitimate receiving options. That doesn't even count the running backs either. And that doesn't even count. I mean, someone like Equinomia St. Brown or even Symbol Webster, who's farther down the depth chart, like but those top five. And Symbol Webster, you right. did not just I say know. Symbol Webster. Because, and, but I mentioned him like seventh, eighth, as opposed to, you know, three third. months ago, <laughs> three, four, five months ago, when we were talking about third or second even. So huge. I really like it. I, I mean, your top five receivers now look pretty good and it's really solid and it really uh hammers home the point of the bears are trying to give justin fields weapons and they're really trying to again what i was talking about last week this is it like if you don't believe in justin fields now one way or the other or if you really do this is going to make or break like this is the year you have everything you have a really solid running game you have five legitimate receivers who could all be, you know, wide receiver ones arguably on any on another team somewhere would depend on the team of course but you know, these guys are legitimate NFL players. It's not, you know, Symbol Webster isn't your number two. You know, Brian Pringle isn't your number one. 
You know, it's you have legitimate guys. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm interested to see how Luke Etsy uses all these different options now because theoretically it shouldn't just be Justin Fields running for his life and he's the only one making plays. Well, you know, they still have some things to solve at offensive line, yeah, which we course. will get to. But as far as the pass catchers go, again, it was almost like 50-50 with the fact that uh, the narrative being Justin Fields has no one to throw to, Justin Fields, no one can block for him. But you got the, the pass catchers part figured out. So you, you figured out one half of the battle. But at the same time, like I put this in here, I – I'm looking at, okay, so it's DJ Moore, wide receiver one, Chase Claypool, sure. and Darna Mooney, wide receiver two and three, interchange them however you want. Wide receiver four, EQ St. Brown, Valus, probably wide receiver six. I, like, wide receiver five, or this person could end up being wide receiver four or three, like, I wouldn't have a problem if they still signed somebody like Miko Hartman or still drafted a rookie in the in the fourth or fifth round. We're like, still doing the Miko Hartman I'm, thing. I'm still doing it. Um Again, you can never have too many weapons. Like, who's going to complain sure. about that, right? Me. Injuries happen. Why? Because Guys he go sucks. down. Miko, okay, take out. Sure. Because he Miko, sucks. Okay, not Harvin. Say it's, you know, a rookie or something. You know something. who I want Brett back? I think they are going to draft somebody. Bring Nikhil Harry back. That's a good point. Bring Nikhil Harry back. It seemed yeah. like he had some kind of connection with Justin Fields, at least on some level. He knows the playbook. He's a good blocker as well already, especially in the run game. Bring him back. I think they're going to draft someone regardless, but why not bring Nikhil Harry back? Like uh, what's burned into my brain is the catch against the Packers where he went up down and he somersaulted into a standing position. That was crazy. Over like, Jair Alexander. Yes. You need guys like that. You absolutely do. And, and I believe he is currently, I think, I think he's still available. A free agent. Yeah, he was a free agent for sure because it was the last year of his deal when the Bears traded for him. And I don't think there's going to be a team that is going to jump. Nobody is lining up to sign Nikhil Harry. Yeah, on Nikhil Harry, he's a sign him as your wide receiver five for right now. Let him let him battle. <laughs> let him, Valus Jones Jr. and a rookie, and Simba Webster battle for those final two spots, or one even one spot. If yeah, you know that's a good point because look, as you kind of say that, like. I think me and a lot of other Bears fans are victim to falling into the recency bias, as you call it, of Chase Claypool and forgetting that, hey, if this guy is anything like what he was in Pittsburgh, sure. like that's one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. Right, which the onus is not him to be wide receiver one anymore because yeah. you have DJ Moore. Exactly. Like the onus is to be, even, even you just, the expectations I feel like for Chase Claypool are wide receiver three, because mm -hmm. like me and you, especially, and I think this goes for a lot of Bears fans, are really high on Darnell Mooney. Always yeah. have been, still have been. Injury sucked last year. It kind of took away the last third and half of the season, whatever. Uh, however, that math shakes out. But I mean, Chase Claypool, if he's a three, anything above like production from a wide receiver three, like standpoint, expectation is gravy. I mean, yeah, Darnell Mooney is wide receiver three. Like, I still think that's a guy who's wide receiver two. And there's a lot of people that still give me flack for Agreed. that because I made the case that he could be wide receiver one last year and it just didn't, well, it what's just Kendrick didn't Bourne pan up out. To? Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is Kendrick Bourne up to? Now, look at the Patriots loading up on receivers. They had and roughly neglecting. 23 yards last year. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's still my favorite. It's still my favorite thing, man. Uh, I, I don't I still, know ball, though. So uh, Yeah. Jake doesn't know ball. Well, I think he does. But, you know, I just changed my mind completely. Like, I, I don't. I'll rule it out that there's. I don't, I don't think that they'll sign anybody else. I don't like if, at if all. You're, Not even as no, like no, no, roster no, no, no. filler from wide receiver. No, 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 that's what I meant. Yes, no, they rookie. Yes, they will draft okay. a rookie. Yeah, they're in drafting like the fifth round, for but sure. they will. I don't think as a roster filler they will not sign anyone else. I, I, I mean, 
well, maybe like a Dante Pettis type signing, just as like a guy to bring in for camp. You know, something, something sure. stupid. Or somebody like who could that, be a right? special yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something, sure. something like that. Um, but like we didn't even bring up Vela. I kind of brought up Velas. Like Velas showed a little bit of something at the end of the year where. They might try to use him in the same right. way that the Chiefs use Michael Harmon. Like, hey, we're not asking you to, to to run the entire route tree and be a wide receiver one. Sure. You're going to take a couple deep shots. You're going to run the end around that you scored on a couple times last return year. Return kicks. Return kicks. Like, th- and, and that's important because if they say that, here, this is your role, you're going to turn into the sort of the quote-unquote Devin Hester. I'm not saying that he has the talent of Devin Hester. but Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army that. knife, right? You're not going to you know be a primary receiver, but your, your key is to be a returner then that gives them the flexibility to say, hey, when we're in camp and we're in OTAs and minicamp for the next five months, 70% of your time is going to be dedicated to not dropping and muffing the ball on punt. Like, you are going to work on that and work a little bit less on, like, you know, polishing your routes because this is where your value is now with this team. So... Uh yeah, I, I'm 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 out. I, I just locked myself out of the Bears signing any any wide receivers and and if look again if Chase Claypool becomes what he was in Pittsburgh and Donna Mooney still is what he is then, then like they both that get extensions three, too. Yeah, he they probably will. I don't know if Claypool will. If he, it depends on where the Bears pick in 2024 is because well, if you also, are in Marvin Harrison Jr. territory, fair. Well, in most likely scenario, and this is where the Carolina pick comes into play. Yeah, play. well, that's what I'm talking about. If they that like. That's that what I'm, I'm talking oh, about. Okay. That pick. Okay. The okay. Bears okay. pick will not gotcha. be high enough that's to, what I, to get Marvin. Okay. So you're talking about the Bears pick via Carolina. Okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah, that's definitely a, uh, a possibility, which is something I was thinking of uh, when I was thinking about uh, how they're going to approach number nine, uh, which is a segue opportunity there. So we're going to take it. Um, speaking of number nine and what they're going to do, I think I've locked into the thought that it's going to be offensive line or defensive line, and that's going to be it. I think you yep. have two options. I think it's going to be, and I think I've talked myself into who it's going to be. It's going to be Skaronsky or it's going to be Luke Van Ness. It's going to be somebody, one of those two. Lucas Van Ness, yeah. Yeah, because A, both from Illinois, of course. Famously, oh, God. And both fit a position. Both are, you know, high up in their positional rankings. Skaronsky's rated as the top offensive lineman in the class. And Van Ness has been flying up draft boards, and he's like, I mean, it's a little bit of a deeper class, and depending on where Jalen Carter goes, blah, blah. But, you know, Van Ness is probably top five at his position. I think what I really like for Van Ness, though, is his versatility. He could be on the edge or he could switch inside. And with as many holes as the Bears have, especially when it comes to the pass rush, someone like him really fits what you kind of need at the moment. Because, yeah, you signed a couple guys on the defensive line, Walker and Billings, and that's fine. But you need someone still who is going to be that threat. And I think Van Ness really fits that because if you sign, if you draft him to be a pass rusher this year, you can use him because I will use him on third downs inside a lot too. Hmm. So that's really interesting. Hmm. I think it's really intriguing. If you feel good about where the bears are at offensive line uh, now with Ryan Poles saying that Cody Whitehair is going to play center. And uh, you obviously signed Nate Davis to play guard and Tevin Jenkins, the other guard. And you like Braxton Jones, we're a big Braxton Jones show. And then you go with Larry Borm at right tackle for one more year. You're fine with that. You can deal with like that's a decent, you know, you feel all right about that. You feel a little bit better. And Lucas Patrick kind of is your swing offensive lineman. You sign a couple guys like you did last year uh, in the same mold as like Michael Schofield and Riley Reef, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. So you feel okay about the offensive line. 
And especially with that Carolina pick, let's say Carolina is good enough where you're not in Marvin Harrison Jr. territory, but you'll probably be in territory similar top 10 where you can have a swing at one of the top offensive linemen. Again, let's say maybe maybe the Bears like one of the offensive linemen next year a little bit better to be your next right tackle, your next left tackle, yeah. and you Braxton Jones to right tackle if, in that event. Maybe you, you say, okay, we feel decent about our offensive line. We feel like this can be a, at least league average offensive line and maybe if Larry Borum takes a step and Tevin Jenkins takes a step and Braxton Jones takes a step and Cody Wayher is healthy maybe you feel good about it being a top 12 unit maybe a little bit above average uh, <laughs> which, you know, is south, which is great which is way better than you were last year uh, so you take that obviously and you say okay let's take Van Ness because we still have basically a help wanted sign in the window at Hellas Hall for defensive line I'm stealing that line from Kevin Fishbane uh, and Adam Johns on their article but that's basically where you're at like you have a big help wanted sign on defensive line Luke Van Ness who can play multiple positions along the defensive line and is sky is like performed really well at the combine had a really strong end to his college year college career I guess we could say and fits the need, and then you say, okay, we feel solid about the offensive line right now. We have a huge need at defensive line still. This guy's there, and he can play all around the defensive line. We're going with him. The more I talk about it, the more I think that Van Ness is like the the pick. I mean, you, you're kind of talking me into it as well because – so so here's – here's but here's the, the only interesting thing about the argument. From a depth standpoint and for, just from like players available – like you have a lot of guys available on the offensive line. Like if you want to include sure. Alex Leatherwood in this and Larry Borum and it, right, like you have guys available and Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, and uh, and Nate Davis. You have options, right? Sure. And the way that you can configure that offensive line, like there's a lot of ways you can do it. And we believe that White Lucas Patrick's. I completely forgot about that name. Who you know notably was supposed to come here as the center. We, yep. we don't know what's going to play out there, but his health issues I think are are causing Ryan pa- uh, Poles to be cautious. But so so yes, I would agree with you that edge makes more sense because right now, who are your edge rushers? Who are they? Right, Robinson's like, your starting. Dominique Robinson, he's your starting edge rusher. Right Travis now. Gibson still like are, I think is, so. Is that what is that what we're rolling with right now? Um, so I agree with you on that front. But here's where I'm like, offensive line is still the pick, and for me, it's Paris Johnson Jr. Is okay. like this still is about. Proving that Justin Fields is the guy, improving that okay. and making sure that he has everything to his disposal. And if you can pair him with a guy who blocked for him in college and Paris Johnson Jr., or if it's Skaronsky, a really talented offensive tackle, either way, I think you you just gotta do it because at the same time, like would you agree that both of those prospects at their positions are higher rated than Lucas Van Ness? among well, their position group. Sure, and I think well, and that's not to knock Van Ness though because you're in the same class as well Anderson and yeah, Tyree Wilson him. and Miles Murphy right. and Jalen Carter like I think it's just more the the defensive you know, depth in this draft is way stronger than offensive line, you know, um, could be true. And to your point though, and I'm not saying you're wrong at all. It could totally shake out that way. Something that stuck out to me about what I think it was Albert Breer's article um, of his talk with Ryan Poles is Ryan Poles took Justin Fields into like their draft room basically and showed him their board and was like, this is how it looks right now. And that really stuck out to me because if he did it last year, you could reasonably assume that he's doing it again this year and maybe even doing it with free agents as well and saying, okay, this is what the board looks like. What do you think? Bounce. Let's have a conversation about Mm -hmm. it and possibly saying, okay, this is our offensive line. 
These are the prospects, but the defense still needs a lot of help. We think that if we draft defense at nine, if the board shakes out in such a way that it's Skronsky and Johnson and let's say Van Ness, uh, you know, are the three picks there. It would be more beneficial to the team as a whole if we take Van Ness, let's say, just for the sake of this argument, this hypothetical. What do you think about that? How do you feel about the current construction of the offensive line? Do you feel that Skaronsky or Johnson, who you played with, would better benefit you or do you think it would be you could succeed or whatever, whatever the verbiage is, that if we take a defensive player to fortify the defense and take the next step as a team, that we could wait and take an offensive lineman in the second round or even next year? Because I also think there's a lot of good offensive linemen on day two that could be had as well. The kid from Minnesota, I forget his name right now, but the center guard from Minnesota who like has huge measurables too is projected as an early second round pick, especially considering that the Bears have, I think, three picks in the first 12 of the second round. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. Is They can plan this out the way they want. If there's a prospect they really like that they know is going to be available, then they can do that. And I, I also wouldn't rule out this possibility of, hey, if, if your guy is Lucas Van Ness or whoever, Miles Murphy, whoever it may be, or if it is Paris Johnson, like no matter who it is, if you know that, all right, four quarterbacks are getting taken in the top nine, a couple guys are rising late, as it always happens in the draft. Like sure. you might be able to trade a couple more picks down, accumulate another sure. second round pick or something, and that gives you more flexibility sure. to just add. And then you get in a situation where, hey, we take Lucas Van Ness at uh, eleven or twelve if you trade down, and then we take another one. Then you have options. You have you have two defensive ends, or you have two offensive tackles. And guess what? Yeah. It's just harder to miss when you draft more guys, right? Yeah, sure it's like, that's the old Ryan Pace adage of draft quarterback every year. You probably got to hit on one of them. Same concept here. Like just R- it, Ryan the Pace more is from the South now. What did I, was that a, a southern little, accent? A little bit, yeah. Southern in there a little bit. In there. <laughs> no, but this this idea that the more guys that you draft at a certain position, the more likely you are that you're going to hit. It's sure. simple math. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they have it planned out, and, and and we have no idea. And they're at Ohio State's pro day today. They sent eight executives there, which is quite a lot. That includes Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, and they're going to be scouting Paris Johnson Jr. Um, but I, 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 it's a, it's a tough decision to make about. All right, do we go out and help our franchise quarterback with a guy who's going to protect him at a at a position that's relatively weak there, at right tackle, or are we going to play the cards that we've kind of been playing in with free agency of bolstering the defense? Let's uh, bring back the monsters of the. And luckily, yeah. they haven't said that yet. Like I'm just yeah. waiting for Matt Eberflus to be like, yeah, the, the monsters. Like, like I don't think like, he will. McCaskey's in his ear. Like, come I, on, we got to bring th- back the I don't monsters. Think he thing. will. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I don't know. Like he, because he's shown. This would be a quick conversation, but Matty Rufus has shown like he is very into the history of the organization. He like wants former players to come in and talk to the guys. Like, I mean, which was a huge one eighty from uh, you know Matt Nagy and, and the previous regime because they seemed to like shun former players. It was really weird. But Matty Rufus like the first week or so, I think he had like Charles Tillman come in mm-hmm. a couple of, like uh, I think Olin Krutz came in like talked to the team and like whatever talked to the position groups. So Matty Rufus strikes me as the guy who like doesn't want to be the monster midway because he like respects them so much oh. and that he wants to just kind of do like a re a redo of you know like you know kind of like a new iteration like a a, a new take on an old favorite mm-hmm. like you know kind of like that not the new not the new monsters midway but like a different 
you know, whatever. You know, I'm kind of talking myself in the circles yeah, now, but point. that's kind of like how I feel like Maddie Rafus approaches that. But I don't know, whatever. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I, I just think that the more I think about it, it's just like Luke Van Ness, or at least defense seems like the play because also. And I was reading this in uh, Kevin Fishbane and Adam Johns' most re- recent mock draft for the Athletic. And I brought this up last week. I don't think Devin Witherspoon's out of the question either still. Because it seems like Christian Gonzalez is going to be the first corner taken. Really? That's what, depending on what you read and listen to, it seems like it's going to be Apples, him. Oranges, because people like, really yeah. love his measurables. And like he just had, like fits this like uber-athletic profile. And like whereas on the other side of the scale, or spectrum, I should say, Devin Witherspoon is just like, scrappy and has that dog in him like just like so i don't think devin witherspoon's out of the question and and i brought this up a little bit last week like you still you can never have too many defensive backs and too many like a, a really good defensive backfield especially with you know if you draft devin witherspoon to be your other outside corner and keep kindle or not kindle Villar, kyler gordon and the nickel and he'd be your third corner in your base still that's really good, especially it's the best with secondary in the NFL. It's it's one of the best, if not the best, young secondary too, in the NFL. So I still don't think that's out of the question. The more I think about it, the more I think defense is going to be the pick at number nine or number eleven if they trade down to like with the Commanders or somebody. Yeah, I, I mean, like if you were to to go through the depth chart right now, this, this is the way ESPN has it on on, on their website, and they are. Yeah. It's kind of left tackle Braxton Jones, left guard Cody White here, center Lucas Patrick, right guard Nate Davis, right tackle Tevin Jenkins. So they have right. Tevin Jenkins going back to right tackle there. But like, if that if that were the case, like that's fine, you know, right. like Agreed. that's fine. But like now, read the 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 starters in the front four uh, for for Chicago's base four three defense: left defensive edge Travis Gibson, left defensive tackle Andrew Billings, right defensive tackle Justin Jones, right defensive end Mar- Demarcus Walker. Yeah. That ain't good. It's not great. That's a whole lot of nobodies to people who yeah. uh, are outside. And of the we Bears like community. Justin Jones, and we like the yeah, you know, Billings mean, and Walker. Like we think they're solid signings. Yeah. You still need the guy. Those guys There's, are all in yeah. one year con- Billings, one year contract. Walker, I think, was a two year contract. Yeah, he was. Uh, Jones is in the second year of a two year contract. You need someone who's up next. Ugh. You still need someone who's up next. And that's the thing. And look, like and, you said about the window, like the wind, like that window, like you need someone who's going to be around for four correct. or five years. Correct. I think you're right. I, I, the, I, yeah. I, I think you might be right. If Van Ness is there, I think it's going to be him. Yeah. I and look, it, it, let's or not, Wilson. If yeah, it's Tyree it's Wilson, possible. I would love Tyree. I, Wilson I like there. him more than Van Ness. Yes. And I think he's rated higher. But again, like we we talk about this every year, and I talk about it every time around this time of year. Like weird things happen. Weird things you know, happen. my name's Lucas Van Ness. I'm the white guy from Barrington. I'm sure I, I'm 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 doing really well in interviews, right? Like like uh, th- these kinds of things happen, man. Like like teams fall in love with a guy for whatever True. reason and guys fall. And there's a chance that Wilson falls again with four with four quarterbacks likely going in the top 9 and Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez getting a lot of smoke and Teams always wanting a, a star wide receiver, Quentin Johnson and sure. Jack Smith and Jake. Like, there is a real chance that there, there is going to be someone who's the odd man out. We're on draft day. We're saying, I cannot believe this guy fell. I mean, and the interesting thing is, is do they take the best available approach at that point if sure. that happens? Like, because that's the other thing is like Ryan Pools has been saying, look, we know we can't fill all the holes. And he says, we're not going to fill all the holes. So maybe it gets to a point where if some guy who's just unbelievable, who you wouldn't expect to be available at nine or further if you trade down, falls to you. You just like fuck it. We know this guy's gonna be really good. We're gonna have holes anyway. Let's just draft him. Like I wouldn't sure. even be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, it's it's just there's so many 
and depending on who who or what you read, apparently Bijan Robinson is like getting mm. a lot of steam as a top ten pick for somebody to trade up for. The Eagles is, will take him or something, which is like, wild. If somebody trades into the top ten for Bijan Robinson, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Um, no, but I just th- I I just think it's going to be defense. The more I think about it, um, what what would Ryan Pace as Matthew McConaughey sound like drafting this draft class? I don't even know. I, I got nowhere to go with this, but you did like a little. I'm just never mind. Screw it. This is dumb. Ryan Pace. This is dumb. Ryan Pace. <laughs> no, I meant I meant Pace. I meant Pace uh, because when you were talking when I was doing I, the Southern accent. Yeah, this is stupid. Uh, we're gonna move on because that was really dumb. Um, all right, S- looking at free agency. Back switching back to free agency for a second uh, because I mean I feel like there's not much else to do on the draft. Um, you know, somebody that we brought up for. Future signings and defense obviously has been the crux of this conversation for the draft. Things could still change. Uh, there are still players out there, like we said, who could sign and that could change how you approach this draft. Uh, Frank Clark, famously, as we talked about on the last couple of weeks, the uh, last couple of episodes, is still out there. And if you sign him, I mean, that it doesn't take away your need for a defensive lineman or an no. edge rusher, but it certainly mitigates that a little bit. Uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, if you sign him, that kind of mitigates your need for defense line. Maybe you wait until the second round and, and brings offensive line or secondary to the front, forefront. Maybe if you sign Ngakwe or Clark, that makes you think, all right, now we're taking Witherspoon or Gonzalez at number nine instead or trading down further. And maybe we take Jackson Smith and Jigba at 15 or 17 or 60. We trade even further. So still things that could change and could happen. I brought this up to you. I texted this to you. Yannick Ngakwe to me feels like someone that fits the Bears as far as need goes. And still, I think he's still like in his late 20s. I don't think he's 30 27. yet. 27. So that 27. Fits, fits the exact time, you know, age range of guys the Bears are trying to bring in. I, I think he fits a lot for what the Bears. I think he is like the perfect. I think he's the perfect fit for like a two-year, $18 million deal. I am trying to figure out why he hasn't been signed yet. Yeah, a lot of the guys that weird. you, a lot of the guys that you see that haven't been signed, the, the largest reason is because they're coming off a down year in 2022, and people are unsure. Right, they're older. This is a player who's 27. He He's had nine and a half sacks last year. He has one for one forced fumble last year. Eight tackles for loss. What is there not to like about Yannick? I I don't understand, and it gets right. me a little bit concerned. About like what do teams know? Is there was there right. an off the field what issue? In it, right? Like I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, and then look, I, I think as far as polls and his strategy here, and what a lot of GMs do is like when you get to that point where guys like this, like Yannick Ngakwe or like Frank Clark, who are proven players who are still relatively young that should have been signed but now haven't been signed, I think teams are wait, either the player. There, there's two situations. Either the player is asking for too much money in negotiations, and no team is willing to give it to them. And in that case, like. If say Yannick Ngakwe has been involved in negotiation with the Raiders and and the line and all these different teams and and he's asking for Rams. you know X amount of money and Ryan Poles is just kind of lurking in the shadows, noticing everything and waiting for the market to settle because as time goes on, at some point Yannick Ngakwe is going to say, "F it, I understand what's happening here. I can't make as much money as I want to, but I want to play for a team. Like I want to be signed by someone. I want to get my money. Like at some point, the market is going to settle." And I said it the same way I said it for uh, like Frank Clark earlier. As each day goes by, like value gets lower for these guys. Yeah. And Ryan Poles might just be sitting back and saying, hey, I'm not going to aggressively pursue Yannick Ngakwe or Frank Clark. But if teams are negotiating with them and as time goes on, 
it, it, the value gets lower, and then boom, okay, we get, he, he's now he's at a price where we believe we can pounce. We boom, can jump then in. you go sure. and. All these other guys are saying, "Hey, I want to come here." I think it was Demarcus Walker who was like, when they when asked if he wants to play, it was with, Billings. It was Billings about yep. Justin Fields, yep. who was like, "Absolutely!" Yep. Like these guys want to come here and play for this team and, and like what they're building. And clearly, the Bears have has shown a proven ability to to sort of win these guys over yep. um, in meetings. I mean, T.J. Edwards signed in like ten minutes, and yeah, he was a <laughs> Chicago Bears uh, or Chicago Bears fan when he was younger, but. Yannick Ngakwe, like you had, a, you had a real Chicago accent come out there. Did I really, dude? I'm, I'm I'm hitting all the accents today. What is going it on? Was real, when you, it was when you said Chicago, but Chicago it really came up. I've never even like it's had like, a Chicago accent either. You don't have me, one either. Me? Well, I think we just don't hear it as much because we're. Both but has anyone outside here? of Chicago told you? That yes. You, really? When I when I was at when I was in Champaign, famously as I went to school at U of I. Uh, like people would tell me, especially when I drink, it comes out. <laughs> like people say, if I get like yeah. a few okay. beers in me, it comes out like okay. real heavy. Yeah. That makes sense. Evidently, well, so a, I've been told. I mean, it also could just be like a placebo. Like, like since right. you're like, oh, you're from Chicago. Like, oh, I now now I hear. The you're Chicago right. Accent. You're listening like, for it. Like, yeah. I don't know because I don't actually know a lot of people that have a true Chicago accent. Like, it's sort of like a dead dialect. Like, do you know anyone that's like under the age of 35 that has like a really true <laughs> Chicago accent? Like, yeah, no, there's like, not, not in that age range. No, no, exactly. It's With weird. That's Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. But Yannick Ngakwe, yes. All right, take your pick. Frank Clark, Yannick Ngakwe. You can Ooh. sign one of them to a two-year deal, $18 million tomorrow. Which one are you signing? Probably Ngakwe because we do like Justin Jones a little. Like, I feel like the interior, and I think Billings is decent. I feel like... Just edge rusher just needs so much work. I know. Like I, I just feel like that need is a little bit higher up on the ladder right now, as opposed to interior line. So I guess Ngakwe. I don't feel good about it, but I, I suppose Ngakwe. Yeah, I, I, Ngakwe more production at a younger age. I mean, right? Less playoff experience, could, but you could like get away with giving him a three year deal. Like maybe that's what he's looking for. Maybe, maybe he wants an extra year of. I mean, security. that's what anyone's looking for. Like he's not looking for a one year prove a deal or two. like he might right, be right. looking for a home for three years. You know what I mean? Like he 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 wants to be around. So yeah, I would also go Ngakwe, and I think the Bears are just kind of kind of lurk and wait till it reaches their price. There there was a couple other names here that I was I, just, I was gonna pivot. What yeah. about old friend who you put in the rundown, Leonard Floyd? 30, I mean, I, he's 30 now. Is he 30? 30. God, that makes me feel old. I mean, <laughs> why? Because, like, Leonard Floyd was like, uh, he was like, there's no way he's 30. He's 30. He'll be 31 in September. How is that possible? Um, so you see, the I guess thing he was is, drafted you're born on a day, and then that day is your birthday. And then as time goes by, Ooh. another year gets added. As years go by, you see where I'm going with this? Um, you get Thanks older. for explaining me the concept of time You're and birthdays. I, I needed it. I, I mean, I was like 15 when he was drafted or something. So it just feels like, like, I mean, he was drafted in like 2015, right? God, that was such a yes. weird pick. Yes. I remember not liking that pick that much. I was still, yeah, because I was in high school. So yeah. I was still working. <laughs> I was working at a PetSmart. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that was my high school there job. There you go. It's kind of sick. Uh, yeah, so it had to have been around that time. Look, I I went back and looked at his stats. Right, he won a Super Bowl, and he was very effective for that team when they won. The Super he Bowl. was that he was really good that that year. Like he wasn't the X factor, but there were people who were literally like betting on him to win Super Bowl MVP that year at like plus five thousand, just because he was getting after the quarterback and he was getting you know takeaways. And last year, with 
Aaron Donald out for a decent amount. I think Aaron Donald was out a couple games last year. Yeah, he missed time. Anyway, Leonard Floyd, 54 pressures, nine sacks last year. It's pretty good. Like, that is not bad. And, look, the Bears could not get the most out of him. But, like, if you have trust in Matt Eberflus. New coaching staff. Why why not? I mean, if if L.A. was able to get the most out of him, I could trust Matt Eberflus to get the most out of him. Again, we're we're not talking about Leonard Floyd being a solution here, right? You bring him in for one, like this would one be year. a guy who's a one year contract. Yep. Say, hey, we just we need somebody. It ain't going to be Travis Gibson starting. It's going to be somebody else. Why not sign? Like, it fits what they want on defense. More of an explosive player, right? Not a really Absolutely. power rusher. And I don't, I haven't watched enough Leonard Floyd in the past couple of years to know if he's really like, you know, changed his game to be. Well, and it helps when Aaron Donald is next to you. It does and takes help. taking up a lot of double teams yeah. and. <laughs> Triple yes. teams. And, and that's why I asked initially. I was like, well, how many games did Aaron Donald list, missed last year to see the true impact of, of you know, him he on the numbers? Handful, though. Yeah, he yeah. Five, yes, six? It had to be something like that. So, Leonard, sure. It's a name to keep an eye on. It's, it, it's, For the cheap on a one-year deal, I would not be opposed. Yeah. And I, I think this is going to happen. Like, the Bears are, like, they are not done here. Like, they, no. again, the second wave is just beginning. They're going to sign at least three or four, maybe not four, like two to three more players who yeah. are pr- maybe recognizable names, right? Like, I'd have to go back last year and see when, like, Dante Pettis was signed. You know, like, things right. like that, right? Sure. Like, guys who are going to be on the field and going to be, like, you're going to hear their name on Sundays, like, right. a- at some point or another. So, yeah, I think that's another one. Puna Ford is a guy that a lot of people had pinned before um, free agency as a possible solution there. Defensive tackle is 27, 83 quarterback pressures over the last three seasons, most for the Seahawks in that span. Um, here's the way CBS wrote it up, and this is, to me, this sounds perfect for the Bears. Any team who could use a solid rotational piece along the interior of the defensive line should give him a call. Yes, the Bears should so, give him a call. It sounds like exactly what they need. Sounds, yeah, so, sounds like check, 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 yeah. That, that all checks out. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just these type of guys where you bring them in and, and probably just going to be rotational guys, but maybe a name where you're like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I, I know that name from somewhere. <laughs> like, so yeah, I don't think, I, I think the biggest names out there, we talked about Clark and Ngakwe, and, uh, but I, I think for the most part, and maybe it's being so slow because a lot of teams are still doing a ton of draft prep and there's a lot of pro days happening. Maybe part of it is that. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I think the second wave is coming. It'll definitely be before the draft, obviously. Draft isn't for four more weeks. But I think it's it's soon. And then I think people can start of sort of cool the Jets a little bit as far as being mad at Ryan Poles for not using all this money. Because some of this money needs to go to extensions, too. Some of it does. Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, possibly Chase Kellypool, Justin Fields at some point. For next year. Yeah, like just the money in general. Like it, even though they're not using it all now, like it some of it is gonna get used. Do you think that and this could be the last thing and we'll get out of here? How do you feel about the kicking situation? Do you are you yeah. team let Cairo Santos figure it out, no, or are you team if he misses in the preseason get him out? I'm not team let Cairo Santos figure it out. Uh, the injury. So what are you what are you giving him? Like first first preseason game, one miss in first week of preseason, you're out. I don't think you can wait that long. I I, I don't I, think you hold a competition like I, you did with. I don't uh, think you hold a competition. I think you find the solution. Like now we're in an undrafted free agent after immediately after the draft. Like I, I and I the name I put on the list. Like you put on Robbie Gold. Come on, I mean uh, you're not the first person to say I'm not it, or even and, write it. And I admittedly, I, I think I had this take before anyone because I you said did. it months ago. You did, but you, you know, said this 
quite a while back. Yep. I'm just more more than anything, I'm concerned about Cairo Santos's health and his age. And the thing that I mean, bothers me is age. okay, but proven ability to succeed at that age, Robbie Gold has healthy. done it and stay healthy. That's sure. what, that, you know that's why I'm less concerned about that. But it's just like man, when like the Bears get to the 32 yard line and you're like 48 yard field goal, I don't know, sure. like. I don't know if we yeah. can trust Cairo from 48. Like, oh, Cairo under 40 is gold. He's he's not going to miss. But it's like there's value to having a kicker who could kick past 52 and past fi- – like, right. and, and, yeah, again, Robbie Gold's older and doesn't have the same length that he had, but he's been nailing 50-plus yarders with the Niners the past four years. Granted, like, Chicago and San Francisco, different climates to kick in for sure. Uh, yeah, but if there's anyone who knows how to kick in the Chicago climate, sure, it is Robbie Gold. So I don't know. It, look, I I just I would be willing to put a hefty amount of money on Kyra Santos not being the kicker for the Chicago Bears okay. come opening day. I think it, the replacement would more likely come from the draft or an undrafted free agent than uh, a, a signing. Uh, you know, I know they don't they don't call it. Good as Cairo or good as Santos, good as but, Cairo. but uh, <laughs> you know, you know, Robbie Gold just is. It would be great nostalgia wise, but as far as where the Bears are at, you're not in a position to sign guys for nostalgia. Just not. But like, you're paying Robbie Gold eight million. You're paying him two million dollars. Right, right, but, but still, like I, I get like, it's just Robbie Gold. Love you. I have an autograph from you somewhere at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. But oh, nice. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I don't know. But anyway, I just I think you're more you're better off trying to take a shot with like a bigger leg and as an undrafted free agent, as opposed to like just bringing in Robbie gold. That's just because you need someone like that, yeah. like with a bigger leg, that's especially in the Chicago climate. So that's, that's just point. how I feel about that. Um, but obviously if we're talking about kicking, that means it's time to end the episode because we're talking about kicking free agents and Ugh. nobody cares. Ugh. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But this has been Bears Nation podcast brought to you by OnTap Sports Net. We'll be back. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna do a, a mock draft next week. I think we're gonna do a live mock draft. I think we should. We're gonna do. Uh, it's been a while since our first one, so I think that's what we're gonna do next week. Uh, we'll go live, bring everyone in for the chat, obviously, and uh, take you. You guys can all yell at us for picking the wrong play, person, player, whatever, uh, because that's fun and we enjoy it, and it'll be a lot of fun. So come back next week. We will be on for a live mock draft. TBD how many rounds we do, but at least two because the Bears have a lot of picks in the first two rounds now. So maybe more. Who knows? I don't know. As usual, we don't have anything scripted here. We just kind of go how it goes. Uh, but until next time, this has been Bears Nation Podcast brought to you by brought to you by Tap Sportsnet. I'm Jake Hassan. That's Kevin Lapka. Until next week, as always, bear down. Bear down.